What's going on, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. I'm here with an old friend from grad school, Jeremy Reed. How's it going? It's going. It's going pretty good. Uh, a little tired, but uh, it's going good. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So we tried to record this last week. Yeah. <laughs> had some technical difficulties. We mm-hmm. we recorded the whole thing. We had the whole conversation. But, yeah. Uh, we're we're uh, replaying that, I guess. Yes. Redoing it. Everybody so. else missed out. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, being, you know, so willing mm-hmm. and accommodating to do that. I really appreciate it. And I think everyone's really going to enjoy um, just the information that we discuss and and uh, really the stuff that you have to share. So cool. let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So right. if you will, give us a little bit of your personal background, athletic background, academic background, work experience, all of that. All of it. All of it. All of it. All right. As much as you want to share. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> Start to beginning. No. <laughs> I uh, grew up in New Jersey. Um, yeah, kind of, you know, played really football was kind of my sport growing up. It's what I love to do. Played it. I went to undergrad at East Stroudsburg University out in Pennsylvania. Fun little D2, pretty much a party school. Uh, <laughs> nice. But yeah, majored in uh, exercise science. Got out. Um, started working. Was actually working at a velocity sport performance. Um, you know, really, again, a lot of sport performance, strength and conditioning type stuff. Um, really kind of learning how to move and how to move efficiently and effectively. Um, kind of changed my whole view on it uh, just because I was kind of a slow kid. And I was always told, you're slow. You're going to be slow your whole life. Uh, <laughs> so I got there and started training. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I got super fast, but I, I got not slow. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, and that really kind of opened my mind to like, man, you can really, you know, really train and really improve in a lot of these areas. So decided I wanted to go back to grad school. Uh, I went back to grad school at Baylor University down in Waco. That's where I met, yep. That's where I met Kevin and a lot of other really good people. I had a great time in grad school, learned a ton. Um, A lot of great teachers, a lot of great professors, uh, a lot of great experiences. Um, Learned a ton, graduated from Baylor and went out to Las Vegas. and then really out there, did an internship working with combat sport athletes. So working with um, a lot of high, high-level um, grappling and jiu-jitsu athletes, as well as high-level MMA athletes. Um, and that was kind of something I got into in my probably undergrad uh, when I realized I'm too slow to play football. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'll, I'll go try to, you know, beat people up instead, I guess. Um, <laughs> so it works. So kind of got into it there, really loved it, you know, continued to do it through grad school and then yeah, had this opportunity to go out and work with those guys. So went out there, um, had a great time working with those guys, um, had a great time training out there myself. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, from uh, kind of had to get a real job, right, uh, you know, training especially back then, right? Jiu-Jitsu guys had no money. They still really don't. They have a little bit. <laughs> They're finally starting to get paid occasionally. Um, and then MMA fighters at the time, none of them made anything. They made like 2,000 a fight, which doesn't really wow. pay for you know a year-long training and whatnot. So, so small kinda, budget. Yeah, very small budget. Uh, and then from there, 
yeah, kind of, you know, sold out and uh, went into the uh, corporate wellness world. Um, <laughs> and I've uh, been doing, yeah, corporate wellness for the past eight or nine years now. So, uh, yeah. Nice. So that kind of that kind of catches us up to where we're at, right? Yes, yeah, the most part. Excellent. So, um, one thing that you didn't mention uh, that <laughs> we can dive right into yeah. first and foremost is mm-hmm. uh, competitive shooting. So tell us a yes. little bit about how you got into that. And uh, you're not at home right now, right? You're uh, no, no. You're, I'm. You're in Vegas. I'm in Vegas, kind of back Competing. where it all started. Uh, yeah. Kind of quite literally where it all started out here. Uh, <laughs> awesome. So, so yeah, so kind of after, um, you know, I moved out to Vegas and was, you know, kind of stopped training, right? Kind of had to, you know, grow up, get the real job. Um, couldn't just train twice a day, every day. Um, you know, kind of felt like I hit my peak in the, the grappling sports and the grappling world. And so, you know, I'm kind of always somebody who needs a hobby, needs something to, to do to get better at, um, and kind of honestly fell into competitive shooting. Um, I mean, it was kind of an accident. Um, you know, my, my wife, who's, you know, my girlfriend at the time, um, you know, was terrified of shooting. So I wanted to make her a little more comfortable um, with it. So I decided to sign us up for a class so she would feel more comfortable, right? Because, you know, I, I can never be right, right? You know, right. No matter how much we know, right, <laughs> comes to our significant others, we're not allowed to be correct. So, you know, she wasn't gonna take it from me. So let's go sign up for a class. Um, you, you know, in in all honesty, I didn't know everything at the time. In fact, I knew very little um, compared to you know where I'm at now. So mm-hmm. we signed up for this class. Um, came out, met the instructor. Was a, a great guy, great shooter. Was you know probably top five, top ten in the world at the time. Um, built matches, coached people. Um, and we had a great time in the class. And then, you know, similar background. He had trained a little bit of uh, some grappling and some MMA stuff. So, um, you know, we kind of hit it off, became friends. He invited me out the next day to come, you know, shoot a match. Kind of, hey, you know, I build matches out here. I compete. You know, might be something you might be into. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. But, you know, I went out. Um, he made me kind of just said, hey, oh, you're here. So you're going to go shoot this now. Kind of right there in front of everybody. Um uh, <laughs> I went out there, did awful, embarrassed myself, <laughs> like crazy, couldn't hit anything. Sounds like um, a really nice but, guy. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, but but loved it. Just kind of, just, man, that was so much fun. And again, and and it really is a sport. And it was just seeing, oh wow, this is a sport. And, and you know, again, I was kind of in that limbo of didn't really have a great hobby. I, you know, had been trying to to get into golf again, which is just an amazingly awful sport, just the most frustrating thing you could ever try to do is get good at that game. Um, so that kind of wasn't working out for me. So I said, um, hey, you know, this this might be something that, uh, you know, I could do and I could enjoy. And kind of from then on out, spent pretty much every weekend um, at the range competing. And just, you know, me being me and wanting to dive in, started asking for help, asking how I can volunteer, help build the matches, tear them down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then me and my coach kind of became really good friends so I started shooting a lot he started helping me um really kind of taught me everything about shooting (laughs) um and then was you know he was just a a great instructor in general kind of a similar background coached a lot of people so really just kind of lucked out that I had somebody who could teach very well and so I kind of didn't know much and so I kind of learned from probably the best to start so kind of got pretty good pretty quick and have been kind of riding that uh (laughs) weight for the past uh 
five years now, six years. Um, nice. And yeah, so uh, now, yeah, now I travel around, um, travel around, shoot all over, shoot a bunch of matches, um, do do fairly well. Uh, um, and yeah, kind of loving. I'm kind of, yeah, just yeah, enjoying it. I'm actually, yeah, at, at my coach's house right now. Nice. <laughs> Out here again, helping helping build another match um, and shooting. So gotcha. kind of never really stopped. <laughs> That's awesome. So can you explain a little bit about um, mm-hmm. like the, like what does a stage look like? Like what's the, what's a basic setup or yeah, how does the competition work? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's a lot of different forms of competitive shooting. Some is more just straight pistol. Um, some is, you know, more standard and shoot but what we do is kind of what's called action shooting or practical shooting and that's where we actually kind of have courses of fire stages um where there's different targets at different distances some require different guns to use some you just probably should use a different gun because it's probably a little better at uh you know hitting that target <laughs> and you kind of run through the course um and try to shoot all the targets as fast as you can that's kind of the basics of it um you get penalized for any misses or any you know other mistakes you make while going through there Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much our sport. Try to run around really fast, but still kind of make sure we throttle it down to really, you know, make sure we're hitting all of the targets. So gotcha. kind of, yeah. So that's probably why I did enjoy it. It is very movement based and still kind of a, a sport per se. It wasn't just standing still. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we do. All the courses are different. It's usually never any kind of set thing. It's not like, you know, a golf course where every time you go here, it's the same hole over and over again. Um, Gotcha. Probably be closer to something like a uh, an obstacle course race, right? Where you kind of know, right? There could be some rope climbing, there could be a mud pit, there could be some of these other things, but I don't really know what exactly is going to be there and when it's going to come. I, you know, might have to climb a wall and climb a rope and do, you know, do these things back to back, or I might have to not do that at all in in, in this stage. So, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of have an idea of what's going to be in there, but you don't really know the exact course ahead of time. Gotcha. So it helps to be relatively fit yes yes it, it definitely does help uh um to be relatively fit it is still kind of skill based so you know kind of uh, again maybe a, a little similar to golf in a sense that like it is highly skilled so you can kind of get away with being a little out of shape but kind of like what we're seeing with golf right more and more of these guys are getting in shape and are athletes right yes. you know every now and then you're still gonna have a john daly around who guy can just hit a golf ball man <laughs> and, and we have a few of them who might not be in the best shape but those guys can shoot yeah they can shoot and they, you know again they, a lot of them move surprisingly well for you know you wouldn't expect that i guess is a better <laughs> better way to put it um but yes physically fit definitely is an advantage for kind of a lot of reasons so gotcha awesome so tell us a little bit about how uh how you could train or how you do train <laughs> to to be better at competitive yeah. shooting mm-hmm. so there's kind of a, a couple ways i break it down right there's kind of what i would call the the general fitness the the you know what, what we would call kind of general preparedness um you know really kind of getting somebody you know ready i mm-hmm. guess and then there's that high peak performance kind of aspect right mm-hmm. and the first thing honestly is um, and this is something that kind of surprised me, and I've been adding it into my training. Um, it's kind of endurance-based, right? So our stages actually don't take a long time, and we're sprinting through them. They're probably only 30 seconds to a minute, maybe two minutes. Uh, you know, some 
stages some matches, but really kind of 30 seconds to a minute. Um, mm-hmm. But in between that stage, you know, we have other people who have to shoot it. We have to continually reset it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in a typical day of competitive shooting um, at a match, you're probably on the range for about six hours on your feet. Wow. Mm-hmm. But you're, you know, you're only shooting for maybe, you know, 10 minutes total. So the rest of the mm-hmm. time is, you know, obviously spent, you know, preparing, walking through the stages, planning how you're going to shoot it. Um, and then, you know, helping out and resetting while you're, you know, um, other competitors are shooting. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, I mean, you start adding that up over like a three-day match. Like I got a three-day match coming up. I just did a two-day match um, before I'm building. So mm-hmm. by that third day, man, you see some people just kind of. My feet hurt, right? I'm <laughs> kind of wearing down a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, kind of one aspect is kind of that, that endurance aspect. So one of the things I added in was just some hiking. Um, and then, you know, obviously we have all our gear on. So I got a belt with mags on them, loaded mags, some guns hanging off me. You know, and again, it's not a lot of weight, 10 pounds, 15. But again, over six hours of constantly on your feet walking around with that, it, it adds up. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the first step. Right. Is make sure, you know, you can handle being on your feet all day um, and not getting tired by the end of the match. Right. To be able to just, you know, not decrease performance as we go through a match. So that's kind of that first step, you know, that general fitness, general preparedness, you know, and for that, honestly, I do a lot of hiking, do a lot of hiking with the rucksack, um, Mm -hmm. hiking with my son. You know, I've, um, you know, just about a two year old um, who loves being outside. So I'll grab him, throw him in a little backpack, carry him out. Yeah, works works really good. Um, But yeah, kind of that, you know, long term hiking really, again, making sure that, you know, the end of the day, I'm still, you know, ready to go like I was at the beginning of the day, not tired, my feet hurting and, you know, just want to sit down. And then same thing at the end of the third day, I can still, you know, perform as well as I could day one. So that's kind of the first aspect that that general preparedness. And again, that was something that kind of shocked me because when you look at it, right, it looks like it's very explosive and movement based. Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of shocked to see how much of a factor that played in. Now, after that, you know, kind of once again, we get that general fitness, um, you know, where I can make it through. Right. I'm not going to lose performance as the match goes. Now it's about that, you know, increasing performance. How am I going to get better? Mm-hmm. How am I going to, you know, move better? Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of that training really is, you know, explosive movements because um, a lot of our things are we have to get to a position as fast as we can. And then we usually have something to do, whether it's, you know, shooting a pistol, laying down and prone, shooting some long range, um, you know, standing there, shooting some, you know, tough rifle shots while standing still. And then we have to explode out of there, get someplace else um, mm-hmm. and do something else. You know, sometimes it's I got to drop down prone. And then I got to pop back up and run someplace else. So a lot of real explosive movements, um, short sprints. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, a lot of lateral stuff. So a lot of times we're moving left, right, forward, sometimes backwards. Um, and again, you never really know what it's going to be. You know, kind of five minutes beforehand to kind of walk it and get an idea. But it's never the same movement over and over again. So a lot of that training is, again, explosive movement. So, you know, me personally, I, I like lifting and I like Olympic lifts. So I do kind of a lot of Olympic lifting, um, a lot of hang cleans. Um, I, I tend to do most things from the hang position because, again, most of the time when I'm shooting, I'm kind of in that, you know, athletic type stance and then mm-hmm. kind of dead stop and then have to explode out. Mm-hmm. Um, so because that, I, I tend to do a lot of my Olympic lifting from the hang position, kind of that 
athletic position, dead stop, and then explode out. Um, but some other stuff that, you know, add in is a lot of plyometric stuff. So some jumps, um, some broad jumps, some lateral jumps, um, you know, box blast type stuff, driving off of one leg. Again, really trying to get those explosive movements, you know, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say that's one of the, the first things, right, to work with individuals. Try to get them a little bit more explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, the next aspect I tend to work a lot of is more of that, and it's a little bit different than, you know, kind of traditional strength conditioning, traditional movement sports, and that is the the, the eccentric type training. Right, that that kind of gradual deceleration um, and stability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most sports like we have a lot of explode, run, and stop, and so it's similar to sports in a sense of it's get there, stop, change directions, leave. Except mm-hmm. in that process, we kind of have something to do. We're not just getting there to get there and immediately stopping and getting out of there. Um, mm-hmm. So in that deceleration. Um, you know, a lot of times it's for us, it's not just about stopping as fast as possible. It's about stopping fast while also being maintaining a good position to start getting, um, you know, my gun up and on target. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just trying to get there and stop because if I stop abruptly fast and, you know, my gun's bouncing around, my sights are bouncing around, I'm going to take longer to break that first shot. Gotcha. And for us, that's really what's important, right? Not getting mm-hmm. there, but how fast can I get there and take a shot and, and mm-hmm. take a good shot, get a hit, you know, mm-hmm. is kind of a better way to put it. Um, so a lot of it is as I'm coming into position, I'm slowly decelerating so I can, you know, stop when I want. But also in that process, I'm not bouncing around or doing anything abruptly. So a lot of core stability, um, honestly, a little bit of, um, you know, kind of trunk mobility in, in a sense of I may be running left, but my target may be back right behind a wall. So as I'm stopping, I got to kind of rotate around mm-hmm. to see it. Um so the eccentric aspect is actually, uh, again, a little different. It's not just about stopping and stopping efficiently, or, or I guess as fast as possible. It's about really kind of that gradual deceleration while everything else kind of stays, you know, super controlled. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, adding in a lot of, um, you know, eccentric type work to the training, um, mm-hmm. you know, and again, kind of more slower negatives in different lunges um, and aspects. And then at the same time, adding in a little bit of that core stability and rotation so core strength in a sense of like i don't have to throw anything or do any type of rotational power but i do need when my body's moving everything to stay tight and again stabilize because the point for us is to have everything else move fast but all of this stay as steady as possible so again i can get on target fast and break the shot quickly Mm -hmm. yeah i'm sure if you're if you're like bouncing around if you're if you're not Mm -hmm. able to absorb some of that recoil, then yes. it's going to take mm-hmm. you longer to, to get back on target. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's the, the whole idea of training for that, I'm sure to a lot of people <laughs> just, just sounds like, like overkill, mm-hmm. but that's probably, you know, like at the top end of any type of competition, it's the little things that add up that make a difference. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so how how much of a difference do you think all of this training plays? Like, do you notice a huge difference yeah. from mm-hmm. before before you were doing this type of training to now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say it's a huge, it's extremely impactful and, and hugely beneficial. Um, you know, for me personally, luckily I kind of came from that background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I first started competitive shooting, I was probably in the shape 
in my life just because, again, I was coming off of training jujitsu <laughs> two to three days a week, training those guys fresh out of grad school. So I had all the knowledge, just, you know, just literally doing nothing but training. Yeah. Um, so that definitely helped me coming into the sport, just being kind of, you know, athletic. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, again, a lot of people weren't. So I kind of, you know, skill wise might have been here with some people, but was mm-hmm. kind of able to beat them and do a little bit better because I could move from place to place um, much faster. You know, mm-hmm. I could, again, kind of control, um, you know, again, holding gun up sometimes can start to get tiring. So having that shoulder strength to keep the gun up and, you know, I, I didn't fade again over the matches. So it definitely helped me you know, in general compared to your average person, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now, now that I've kind of, you know, have grown in my skill set is, you know, up there with some of the best in the world. Now, now it's kind of, you know, we can all hit these targets. We can all hit these targets pretty quickly. But now it's about doing some of that other stuff quickly. Who can get there quickly, who can get up quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And so since I've kind of added some of that in, um, I, I would say it's been kind of a huge difference. And, and again, kind of noticing the differences right from traditional strength and conditioning where mm-hmm. i've added in that that you know not just stop as fast as possible but stop and kind of you know more of a not slam on the brakes but more let off the gas and ease on the brakes you know it's kind of mm-hmm. a good way to put it um you know and adding that training in and then you know with that i mean I, i'm lucky that i kind of have a little bit of property where i I'm at my backyard with my gun, um, and my neighbors don't get too scared because they, I don't really have a ton of neighbors, um, <laughs> so they can't really see. But you know, sometimes it's hard because I can't just bring a gun into a gym and just you know, right. <laughs> start right. doing you know, or dry fire work and stuff we do. You know, usually freaks people out a little bit. Um, <laughs> but adding some of that in, I would say, has definitely helped me over this past year. Um, it's kind of one of the areas I went back to, right? Because again, I was in shape. I was kind of one of my already strong points it was getting my skills up and now that my skills are up now i'm kind of leaning on that and that knowledge and training to try to push me to be able to move a little bit better move a little faster Mm -hmm. um you know and again get that first shot broke faster than my competitor and then get out of that position faster than my competitor Mm -hmm. gotcha so uh tell us a little bit about the competition that you that you just finished up and what you've got Mm -hmm. coming coming up this weekend yeah so i just finished up um called the ussl uh so united shooting sports leagues the organization that put it on and it was the you know sponsored by jp enterprises was the jp enterprises pcc and two gun match um so kind of a little bit different than you know your traditional multi-gun your traditional three gun that i shoot um you know it's kind of a, a new division kind of a new aspect so a lot of people hate the shotgun um they just don't enjoy shooting it um they don't enjoy loading it because that's kind of a a very unique skill set that takes a lot of time and practice um Mm -hmm. and and eats up a ton of time so you have a lot of people out there who love shooting um and they enjoy it but really they're they're not a big fan of the shotgun aspect so what we call a two-gun division so it's just rifle and pistol so they they don't have to do that um now your pistol work's got to be a little bit better um, instead of having a you know shotgun that has a pattern this big i gotta hit it with one little bullet um Mm -hmm. but you know it it opens the door to more people and that's you know again one of the things with the shooting sports is we just want to get as many people involved and to have fun and realize hey it's fun Mm -hmm. and then the other aspect that was what we call pcc and that's a pistol caliber carbine so it's a 
rifle in a sense that it looks like a rifle, but it actually shoots a pistol cartridge. Gotcha. Um, so because of that, it, it kind of is a, a weird gun. So a lot of our rifles are not allowed to shoot at certain targets, um, mm-hmm. especially steel targets because they're too close and it's dangerous. So mm-hmm. you have to you know, shoot really far with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the closer stuff we have to shoot with our shotgun or our pistol. Well, now this kind of lets you because it's a pistol caliber that you can shoot some of those. So gotcha. really it's kind of turned into its own fun thing. I think it's originally started as people just wanted to do it to train for cheaper ammo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people realized, man, this is really fun. And so it's kind of like a, an all-out drag race because it's just one gun, shoot everything with that gun, and you just go really fast. Um, you know, But because it's kind of different, and same with the two-gun, it kind of hasn't fit into a lot of big matches. So um, you know, this organization kind of decided, like, you know what, let's – Let's do an own, you know, our own match dedicated. So they're not kind of the, the, you know, the side thought uh, of another, you know, normal match. It's let's yeah. build a match just strictly for it. Uh-huh. So I came out to help build it and work it and kind of was like, well, hey, I'll shoot it. Uh, my first time shooting just two guns. Um, it was a ton of fun. I, I will say I am a big fan of the shotgun. Um, I shoot the shotgun <laughs> very well and I load it very well. Uh, <laughs> So I wasn't exactly happy when I'd see some little targets that would be very easy for me to shoot with my shotgun, but not so easy for me to shoot with my pistol. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was a little, you know, a little frustrating and annoying certain times. But um, the match was great. Had a blast. Um, had an absolute blast shooting. Um, you know, you always make some mistakes. You never perform, right? It's, uh, again, it's kind of like a, a golf or even like an MMA or jiu-jitsu where even if you win, it's like, you know, there was always mistakes, right? I, I could have mm-hmm. hit this shot better. I could have sank that putt. I could have, you know, not got hit with this shot or I could have, you know, to fight instead of winning a decision. So you're always kind of, you know, wishing you did a little bit better. But, you know, I would say overall I, I shot pretty well. I ended up finishing in second place. So that nice. was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah it was Congratulations. A oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> so, uh, when it comes to uh, to the guns that you're shooting, is everyone using the same caliber? For uh, the most part. Yeah. 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 For the most part, um, your your shotguns will 99% be 12 gauge shotguns. Um, you know, I think we do allow 20 gauge. Um, it's really not a benefit, um, but it's more for in case we have some junior shooters, right? So a young kid or even some female shooters who are just getting into it. And again, maybe they're a little smaller. The shotgun can be a little aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. So being able to shoot a slightly smaller one can be beneficial, but I would say 99% is a 12 gauge. Um, you know, we kind of have what we call minimal, minimum caliber. So like pistol would be a, a, a nine millimeter. That's what you're, again, you're going to see 90% of people shooting. Now, some people may shoot a 40 because that's what they had. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know, we don't ban you from shooting it. It's just, you know, nine's a little bit recoil, a little bit lighter. You hold, more, you know, more ammo in your magazines. It probably makes sense to shoot nine. Um, yeah. But if you have a 40, you know, it's the only gun you have. We're not, you know, we're not going to not let you compete. Um, but in general, probably nine mil is probably the most common. And then same thing with the rifle. Um, two, two, three, you know, five, five, six, two, two, three cartridge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it's cheaper. Um, then like a 308 <laughs> or some of them bigger bullets, uh, you can fit more in the magazine. It doesn't beat you up as much. Yeah. So that's what you know we're going to do. Now, there is something called the heavy division, um, which can be, you know, anything from you have to shoot a 45 pistol, you have to shoot a 308 rifle, and you have to shoot a pump shotgun. Oh, my um, gosh. So it's kind of that, you know, you know, the tough guy division. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> really, it's it's usually about four or five people who do it just because you know they enjoy it, right? Yeah. Um, some just you know really enjoy shooting those he- you know heavier calibers and cartridges. Um, some are you know. Hey, I grew up shooting a pump shotgun and a 191145, and that's you know it's God's caliber, and you know you, you, hear, you hear a lot of that stuff, um, you know. It's God's caliber. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, 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 you know, guys who shoot 45 are pretty particular about it. So, uh, <laughs> so you know they have their division. If you want to come play in that, you know you're competing against other people in that same division, you know, which is which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I would say the vast majority is going to be that 223 rifle, the nine mil pistol, and the 12 gauge shotgun. Semi-automatic, not the pump. Gotcha. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I would probably be in a little bit of pain after that. If, yeah. Yeah. That's just that's a lot of it's a lot of shoulder action. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, but you know we. Like any competition, right? We we tweak our gear a little bit. We got comps on some stuff. Mm. We run kind of light little powder puff ammo that you know. Uh, again, right? Competition. We're back racing. We push performance. And you know, for a pistol, the flatter the pistol stays, right? The less it rises, the faster I can get back on target and take another shot. Um, yeah. You know, same thing with our rifle. Um, you know, the less the shotgun's beating me up, more I like to shoot it. Faster I can. So really, again, you know, kind of like a sport where we're really kind of drag racing. So, gotcha, cool. Well, let's transition a little bit over to <laughs> to the combat sports and mm-hmm. how you got into that and mm-hmm. uh, and how you were how yeah. you were training these athletes and kind of mm-hmm. your philosophy behind all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, again, right? I think I kind of got into that when I was kind of at a loss, right? I was played football my whole life, loved it, you know, played through high school. I went to the smallest little high school, you know, um, probably in New Jersey almost, you know, <laughs> so all five foot ten of me, 200 pounds of me, played <laughs> offensive line and inside linebacker in high school. Nice. Um, you know, and decided I want to go play in college. Um, you know, got recruited by some D2, D3 schools, decided I wanted to go to, you know, East Stroudsburg, went out there and went to go play. And, yeah, you're not playing inside linebacker, buddy. You're, you're too small. Probably too small to play linebacker in general. Go play safety. Okay, cool. All right, whatever. I'll learn safety. Mm, you're slow. <laughs> Be faster. Be faster. Okay, I'll try. Yep, you're not faster, so... <laughs> Maybe try some special teams. It kind of got to a point where it was like, well, doesn't it really seem like I'm going to be playing for much at all? And I kind of need a job, and I can't work and play, so I kind of stopped playing football and got a job, right? And then kind of like anything, right? When I kind of lost that, I you know, knew I enjoyed working out, so I kept working out. But it was kind of like you know, I wanted a sport. I wanted to compete. Um, mm-hmm. You know, We had a little boxing club that a few of my friends went to, so I kind of went there with them. It was kind of fun, but then I saw you know, kind of over on the side some people wrestling around, grappling. I was kind of like, what, what is that, right? You know, but it didn't look like, like high school wrestling, which was always kind of you know, strange looking. Um, it kind of looked like <laughs> more like they were like actually fighting to me. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's interesting, and, and kind of paid attention a little. You know, of course, like, oh, yeah, try it out. I jumped in there. Spun around, flipped upside down, didn't know what was going on, but it, it was fun to me, right? It was fun. It was intriguing. So I was like, man, I think I want to do that. Um, 
you know, and honestly, I wasn't getting punched, right? Boxing's a lot of getting hit, trying to hit people. You know, it's kind of, for me, I didn't think as much in it. And it was less, you know, satisfying. Um, you know, when I started the grappling and the jiu-jitsu, it was much more like a chess match where it's controlling, being physical, but also having to think um, and then trying to, you know, again, think a step or two ahead. And then, yeah, kind of like everything, just kind of fell into it and then dove right in. Just mm-hmm. loved it. You know, started training whenever I could. So trained all through, you know, the remainder of college. So my last two years of college, um, trained, got out, um, you know, trained at a couple high-level places um, out in New Jersey. Um, you know, uh, fought. It was, was, you know, fun. It was a great experience. Um, you know, mm-hmm. MMA people, as far as, you know, getting punched every day over and over again, that gets uh, a little bit old. Uh, <laughs> you know, you get to where it doesn't bug you as much, but it's never fun. Um, but yeah. the grappling, again, it was always just, you know, very physical, but, you know, say you, you don't get hurt, but you're not getting beat, right? You're not getting mm-hmm popped in the head over and over again um you know it was more muscular stuff right (laughs) pulling an arm pulling something i tweaked my neck those kind of things so again just really loved it loved learning and learning so kept training uh again like i said decided to go back to grad school kept training through grad school um Mm -hmm. and just loved it and then you know in that process right i was exercise background you know working at velocity sports performance really well what's the best way to train for this um and you know same thing carried that over into grad school what is the best way to train um and then really just kind of learned man there's there's not a lot out there you know especially at that time for, for working with those combat sport athletes um you know it was was a little different um, and traditional strength and conditioning, you know, programming doesn't quite work um, hmm. because fighters are, you know, uh, we'll, we'll call them special. Um, <laughs> you know, they, hey, I don't have a fight, so I'm not really going to train or I'll do some stuff, but I'm going to eat. And then, oh, I got a fight. OK, I need you eight weeks. I got to be in the greatest shape I've ever been in and while also losing 30 pounds. Um and I also have to do all this other stuff at the same time, right? I got to spar, I got a game plan, I got to train this. And you're like, uh, okay, uh, you know, I'm used to kind of having a whole off season, you know, like you're not competing for like months and months away. And I got all the walk through practices, some skill work, but you know, it's kind of my time, my show. Um, mm. It's kind of not how these guys operate, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's, no, I'm not going to stop sparring. I'm not going to stop training. I have to cut weight. Um, you know, I'm going to do all of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really kind of, you know, forced me to to change how I was training these individuals. I'm going to really did take a long time to kind of learn the the less is more approach. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that as much as I would love to say what I was doing with them was their most important thing and the most important thing. It's not, you know, their most important thing is is their fighting. Right, they're sparring, their game plan, being ready when they step into that, you know, ring or cage or octagon, whatever it is, that, you know, they are ready to perform. They're ready to implement their game plan and their moves. They're ready to defend against whatever that other person's going to do to them, and mm-hmm. at the same time, be in shape that they can do that. Um, but ultimately, you know, that's kind of the really important stuff for them. So it was a lot of, you know, cutting the fat and fluff out of a program and what is the most important, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of stuff are they getting in other places? You know, if this guy's training twice a day, he's probably getting a good amount of, you know, endurance work in, right? Yeah. If he's grappling people every day, he's probably getting some, you know, some decent strength work in, mm-hmm. right? 
um, you know, and then at the same time, he's cutting weight. So, right, we can't really push too hard if somebody's in a, you know, caloric deficit over and over and over. Recovery is going to be a huge issue. Yep. And that's what I was starting to see with a lot of guys, right? A lot of guys were trying to push hard in the gym, push hard, you know, in sparring, push hard in their grappling work, push hard hitting the pads, um, and, you know, all while trying to lose 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, halfway through the camp, they were just exhausted, you know, but, you know, they're, they're mentally tough guys. They're a little, you know, some, some are a little off, so they're pushing themselves, <laughs> um, you know, and they're going, but right at a certain point when you're looking at somebody, it's like, dude, going through the motions in, in my sparring work isn't really helping me, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the time I'm supposed to be getting better. I'm supposed to, you know, really work on my skills, what combos am I going to throw? What what's going to work for me? You know, and get a realistic look when we're sparring individuals, right? When they go mm-hmm. for this, you know, I want to do this or that. But if you're just so beat down and exhausted that you know you can't do the things you want to do, um, then you're not, you know, that's detrimental. So mm-hmm. I really kind of had to take a look at at it when I was out there of what is the minimal amount I can do to elicit, uh, uh, you know, the responses I want. Mm-hmm. What are the most important responses I want? Mm-hmm. Right. And then how can I work that in around all of their other stuff that is extremely important? And that was really my my big goal. Um, and a lot of how I trained was, you know, very simplistic. You know, some guys it was a little more strength based, right? Because maybe they were the smaller guy in their in their weight class. Um, other guys it was very explosive based. Man, they were super strong, really good wrestlers. They could hold guys forever. But when it came to striking and throwing punches, you know, they needed to be a little bit more explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did, you know, focus on kind of more explosives. And usually that was, you know, maybe one or two days a week in like, you know, what I would call in the weight room, you know. And, mm-hmm. and even then it was one or two exercises, right? What is the most important, right? Mm-hmm. Again, if it's something explosive based, we're probably going to do, you know, some Olympic lifting type stuff, some cleans, some snatches, even maybe some kettlebell work, um, mm-hmm. you know some box jumps, some plyometrics, but really focus on that aspect. And again, trying to keep that programming down to a minimal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then same thing, if it was more strength work, okay, you know, maybe we'll get some squats in, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe some deadlifts. Um, but again, trying to keep volume low while trying to keep intensity high, right? Again, I don't want to break down a ton of muscles and have a lot of soreness um, and recovery time needed, but just enough to elicit, you know, again, if we're talking strength and power, more of that neuromuscular response, right? Make sure everything's firing, make sure everything's firing when we want it to, um, and mm-hmm. firing as fast and, and, you know, efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the weight work that I would do. Um, and then again, obviously, you know, addressing any issues, right? I, I got a shoulder issue, you know, again, these guys are always hurt. It's the other thing you're always dealing with. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to do all this, I got to do all this, but I need shoulder surgery, but I'm not going to do it until after the fight. <laughs> um, wonderful. Um, great plan. Um, so, you know, it was a lot of that. Okay. We got to work around this. So how can I, again, program to get the maximum effect and the minimal amount of volume to mm-hmm. elicit the response while not further injuring or further doing anything, or again, rehabbing, prehabbing, you know, and you know, that stuff was great. Cause that was easy to build into a program cause it wasn't very volume intensive or high intensity. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it was a lot of mobility work mixed in. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, we're only gonna do one heavy lift, but in that process, we're going to do some, you know, lateral, you know, hip mobility stuff to really try to strengthen that because they just came off of blowing their knee out or same mm-hmm. thing, some shoulder stability work because they need shoulder surgery, but they're not going to go get it. Um, <laughs> you know, 
you're going to add in some face pulls, some shoulder circles, some, you know, reverse fly type movements, um, you know, external rotation. Because, again, a lot of these guys are fighting. They're constantly throwing punches. They're very shoulders hunched in, rounded out. Yeah. Always, always. Um, So, you know, just trying to work out some of those imbalances. And that was something that, again, was great because it wasn't very high density or volume intensive that caused a lot of recovery or soreness needs. Gotcha. Yeah, the I think the general concept, especially around training for fighting, is almost like, okay, you're just doing a lot of jump rope because that's what mm-hmm. boxers do, or yeah. you're training like CrossFit where you're doing tons of kettlebell stuff mm-hmm. and you're doing lots of medicine ball slams mm-hmm. and you're doing – it's like uh, just because that's the way it is in the movies doesn't yeah. mean that that's how yeah. it plays out in yeah. real life. Right, because it's the real way they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because if that's how you're doing things, you're taking away so much time, energy, and potential neurological adaptation mm-hmm. for the actual combat mm-hmm. uh, skills that you have to have. Right, mm-hmm. so um, that's really interesting that you know you're you're shifting focus to okay, what is the minimum effective dose. You know, mm-hmm. if if my goal is to apply this specific stress to elicit this type of adaptation, then what's the one thing that's going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of going for as much bang for your buck as possible, mm-hmm. um, just because like you don't ha- you don't have an unlimited time, right? You don't mm-hmm. have an unlimited uh, you don't have unlimited resources when it comes to that. So mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. Yes. Um, very yes, and I like that you, yeah, that you pointed out the, um, the, the kind of the, the limits on, on the neurological system, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that's one that was kind of hard to, not to say hard to find, but hard to like realize that that was the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, luckily I was training in this and I kind of, you know, had those times where I would feel those things. Right. And, and it was that weird, like, I'm not sore. I'm not really tired. Right. Like, you know, like I feel pretty good. Right. Like mm-hmm. I feel pretty good. I'm not super sore. I'm not, you know, exhausted, you know, and, and I'll be in there and I'll be going and I can go hard. I can push. But like the, the best way I could explain it to myself was I always felt like I was like a half step behind. Like mm-hmm. I would see what I wanted to do, but my body would react to it like a half second too late. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like weird to me. I'm like, man, I feel good. I'm not tired. I'm not this. And like I'm seeing it, but like my, my body just couldn't keep up with my brain sometimes. And, yeah. and that's what really started getting me thinking about like, man, you know, and especially at the time, right? I was trying to get super explosive. I was doing a ton of heavy strength work, a ton of explosive Olympic lifts, plyometric stuff, medicine ball slams, you know, just really taxing my nervous system, mm-hmm. um, you know. And you start to see that. And again, it's that same, right? That fighter's in there. Man, I feel good. But he just, he's not moving like himself. He's not doing the moves he is. He's getting, you know, caught by things he never gets caught by or, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, that was something that was very important to kind of catch. And again, because what's important is that he's able to get in there and work effectively on the skills and stuff he needs in that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that, yeah, took a little bit of time, but is a huge, huge factor um, when training combat athletes yeah i think that whole concept was uh made extremely clear to me when we started doing uh some olympic lifting stuff with Mm -hmm. coach melton Uh and 
and everything was attached like or we had the bars attached to tendo units mm-hmm. so that we could measure power output and mm-hmm. uh, like people tend to do one extreme or the other like they're not doing enough work to where they're actually getting up to peak power output or they're mm-hmm. just like going way way overboard and just mm-hmm. you know they're on the they're on the downhill slope and there's mm-hmm. no benefit to be in there so um mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you're redlining your nervous system, your mm-hmm. like your conditioning might be fine. Like your mm-hmm. your strength might not be, you know, affected that much. You may mm-hmm. not feel like you're in a spot where you're not performing mm-hmm. optimally, but like your reaction times down, your max mm-hmm. uh, like your max volitional contractions down, your your maximal mm-hmm. power outputs not there. And I don't think anybody wants to go into a fight with those three things or those handful of things Mm -hmm. not where they need to be so Mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's uh that's one of those things that i'm just like if you're gonna train for any sort of sport Mm -hmm. gotta keep in mind like you want to show up competition day Mm -hmm. not just fresh but like with the nervous system primed right Mm -hmm. so um uh, which kind of leads me to my next question. So, like, if you know you've got, um, you know, eight weeks to prepare mm-hmm. for for a fight or a competition, mm-hmm. like, what are you doing, like, a week out or a few days out to make sure that mm-hmm. they're as fresh and prepared as mm-hmm. possible, but also that the nervous system is primed and ready to go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of... A lot of what I did and what I would recommend was, you know, there, there, there was kind of two schools, right? You know, and it's funny, like it, training in combat sports was hilarious because it, it's, right, you have that thing where they, you always feel like they're like five or ten years behind, right? It's like that old school approach, right? Um, and, and it's extremes, right? There's the guys who cut no weight and then the guys who cut like 50 pounds. Like, dude, <laughs> like, I'm not saying don't cut any weight, but like – 50 pounds you might you might have some performance you know detriment and it was kind of the same thing when you kind of got into like the you know fight week right it's fight week mm-hmm. you know and one of the big issues is obviously any weight cutting right because that's got to make weight but there tended to be two schools of thought it's fight week stop doing everything mm. this week is about rest we just did all this and we're just resting this week um and it would you know boom cut everything down and out and that's where you would see kind of exactly what you're, you're talking about. The guys would feel good, feel rested. But when they got in there, it was kind of that like, right, that rusty almost or that mm-hmm. nervous system's not firing because they've just been doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the other school of thought is you just keep training hard and train hard and train hard up until, you know, the day before the fight. You take one day rest and you go in there, right? You can recover in one day. Um, you know, yeah, you can cover, you can replenish 50 pounds of, you know, water weight, all, all that fun. <laughs> You know, and then it was kind of, you know, the other extreme that you would see, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the opposite effect, just had nothing, the nervous system overtaxed, right? So, you know, I think what started becoming more popular when I was there was that, okay, right, the overtaxing is definitely bad. So, again, we went to the other extreme, nothing on fight week, a couple mm-hmm. light workouts, right, you know, but light workouts were like 50% intensity, right? Mm-hmm. So the guys are going in there and they're hitting pads, but they're, you know, hitting pads. Right. They're jumping rope. They're, you know, they're working up a sweat, but nothing they're doing is 
really, you know, mimicking what they're going to do in the fight, right? Mm -hmm. The nervous system is kind of really just doing nothing, you know, yeah. for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, again, you would see that a lot of, you know, that's what they call the guys coming in flat, right? He looks flat. And that was a lot of what that was, was, hey, I took too much rest. And now, like, right, my brain kind of knows what it wants to do, but it hasn't done it in a little bit and mm -hmm. taking me a little bit into the fight before, okay, now everything's firing. Mm -hmm. So what I what I like to do, you know, kind of week of the fight was kind of more of a gradual taper, right? Still do the same thing we've been doing, you know? Um, you know, some of the heavier lifting will obviously get cut out, but I'll still have them do some cleans with maybe 50% intensity, right? But full explosiveness, right? Make mm -hmm. sure everything's still firing fast. And we're mm -hmm. going to cut it down or maybe do two sets, right? Mm -hmm. Two sets of five, but mm -hmm. we're still getting that firing, mm -hmm. right? Same thing with like our conditioning circuits, right? We're still going to do our conditioning circuits, right? Mm -hmm. We're just not going to do, you know, five rounds of them. And mm -hmm. we're not going to do five rounds of five minutes, right? We might cut it down mm -hmm. to, you know, two rounds, two three-minute rounds, three three-minute rounds. So again, total volume's going down. So we're still resting and recovering, but we're still getting, you know, that, that neurological response mm -hmm. so that we're not, you know, kind of, again, coming in flat or shutting off the nervous system and trying to you know jump start at the day of the fight um, yeah so that's a lot of you know what i recommended um you know whether everybody always followed that and the, the coaches <laughs> always followed that was you know Dif again, different story you know, you right train hard train hard train hard train hard and then obviously right the weight cutting that was always the over hey you gotta still cut 15 pounds in a day well you're working out <laughs> yeah so but yeah yeah that was kind of the the, the big the big goal kind of for me fight week was taper everything down so we rest and recover but still do much smaller bouts but again really making sure that nervous system stays firing right and i would even try to tell them hey you know do rounds you know do you know a round with the mitts with your with your coach but don't do seven rounds like you usually do do two or three right yeah. or maybe cut the rounds a little short but make sure we are getting in there and throwing those full punches those full kicks right mm -hmm. you know same thing with the grappling make sure you're getting in there and getting a hard round in mm -hmm. now again we don't gotta do six hard rounds right we don't gotta keep having a fresh person right the conditioning part is done mm -hmm. it's get in and get a hard round mm -hmm. and get out right get a hard two minutes in right and get out so that that was a lot of the goal of that kind of that last week mm -hmm. so that sounds pretty similar to um, what I've heard a lot of, uh, like powerlifting coaches will do, or mm -hmm. just people who are even strength coaches who are just working on increasing, like, mm -hmm. uh, focusing on big squat numbers or big deadlift numbers where during a, a taper week or a deload week, their volume is essentially cut in half, but the amount of weight that they're moving on the bar doesn't really change. Right. Mm -hmm. So the the effort is still there they're still mm -hmm. they're still applying intense work but you know mm -hmm. instead of you know five sets of five maybe they're doing two sets of five or maybe they're doing mm -hmm. three sets of three at the same weight that they were doing five sets of five mm -hmm. and that way you know you're not you're not losing all that progress you've made mm -hmm. but you're allowing the body plenty of time to like adapt to rest mm -hmm. to you know mm -hmm. replenish glycogen stores to repair mm -hmm. damaged tissue and then the following week like you know they're they're ready to go they're mm -hmm. ready to roll so um that 
that all makes sense to me, man. I like that. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's jump back a little bit to shooting, just because mm-hmm. you mentioned um, uh, before on the previous podcast that that we were that we mm-hmm. recorded last time. Just a little bit the about last one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. A little bit about uh, just the like the governing body or the the. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm losing yeah. losing the name of it right now. Yeah. So. Talk about uh, that a little bit. The governing, the governing body, the organization. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was kind of one of the things that is, you know, kind of an issue, right, um, in the shooting sports. Um, and, you know, A, we are small sports. You know, obviously there's some, you know, strangeness to it. Certain people are kind of, oh, whoa. Um, but, but again, really, and, you know, that's kind of what I thought when I first got into it. That's why I was kind of got into it by accident. Like I said, it wasn't something I was looking to do because, again, I thought the same thing. It's, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, the airsoft or this where it's guys who are pretending to be in the military and it's all this crazy <laughs> and tactical. And it's like, no, dude, it's like you go there and it's not. It's a sport. We're trying to go as fast as we can. We're trying to do it as fast as we can. You know, we got crazy colored jerseys on. People wear crazy pants. Like it's right. It, it's it's a sport. Yes. It's nothing but a sport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but one, one of the issues, you know, that, that really sport struggles with is everybody does it different, right? Because we don't really have one big governing body, right? You know, some of them do when you start talking like, you know, some of the like, um, you know, more stand and shoot things. Um, you know, obviously like, you know, skeet shooting has a pretty standard course. But really for the action shooting, we didn't have, and especially when it came to like, you know, not just pistol, right? Like pistol shooting kind of had a, had one that was, you know, a, or a couple that really do well, but mm-hmm. you know, the multi gun really didn't have one. And it kind of got this weird thing where depending on where you were, things were different, you know, and, you know, having traveled around and shot all over the country. And, and again, having been lucky enough to work with, you know, the, one of the best coaches, shooters, and, you know, match designers, builders, mm-hmm. um, you know, we started getting a lot of people asking him for help, you know, Hey, how can I, man, your stages are awesome or your matches run really well. You know, what, what can I do to help my match? And we started doing this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we wrote our own rule book for our matches because all the other ones, there were things we didn't like and we thought could be done better. So we kind of did that just kind of for our matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got a lot of people like, man, this is awesome. Can we do? And that kind of spurred the thought of, well, why not kind of spread this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then so we started trying to, okay, well, let's, let's create something and spread it. And, and then it really came down to this big vision of, you know, we kind of have to unite the shooting sports, right? Like if we ever really want to grow, we all kind of have to be on the same page with certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not to say you can't have different flavors, right? This match really, again, right? You're in Texas. We have hundreds of acres of, you know, cattle ranches where you mm-hmm. can shoot super far. You can run through woods. You can shoot everywhere and you're not going to hit anything, right? Because it's just yep. hundreds of acres of nothing. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, Las Vegas, California, where, hey, it's all bays, right? We only have 50 yards into a berm and berms on the side. So mm-hmm. you're always going to have different styles. Yep. Um, but as far as, you know, like the general rule set, you know, we kind of needed that. And you know, again, you know, trying to lean on the golf analogy. Like, imagine you go to this course and, hey, you can have 17 clubs in your bag. Oh, really? Well, this course only lets me have 14. <laughs> yeah, no, who cares? <laughs> you know? Right? Or you go bowling to this place and, hey, Yep, there's only seven pins here. What? Well, that's just how we do it. We only we only put up seven pins. Oh, okay. And your ball's this big. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, this one. Hey, you have the normal size ball, but there's no holes. 
right? <laughs> you can't, right? Like, like and that's kind of what it was, you know? And, you yeah. know, I'm kind of using some funny examples. But, you know, again, like most sports, you go there, you know what to expect. And mm-hmm. ours, really what you knew you were to expect was you were going to shoot some stuff. Like that was kind of it. <laughs> I was probably gonna yeah. run around. I was probably gonna shoot some things. Um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of the other stuff was kind of varied. And so we really said, like, you know what? If we ever really want to grow, we have to, you know, kind of unite. And so we came up with, you know, or I say we, um, you know, my coach, um, you know, and friend Pete Rensing kind of came up with it. And it was, you know, first started as United Multi Gun League, right? We really focused on the multi gun aspect. Um, mm-hmm. And so we came up with the UML, United Multi Gun League. And then in that, there's a lot of people that, man, this is like really awesome. And this is kind of what all the sports needs. But so we kind of said, well, why are we limiting to multi gun, right? There's people who love shooting, like, you know, um, steel stages, steel challenge courses. Um, you know, so why not go there? Same thing with pistol. Some people just love shooting pistol. Hey, maybe there's some areas we can improve upon there. Maybe just rifle matches, right? There's not a lot of those out there, you know, outside of like long, long range precision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what about some carbine matches? And so we kind of said, you know what, we, we can do all of that, right? And it, it's pretty easy in our rule set. And again, right, let's let's unite. The more people we have doing this, the more people we have coming together, you know, the better it is for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we created, um, you know, United Shooting Sports Leagues. The USSL, and that encompasses, again, the multi-gun league, a pistol league, a rifle league, and a steel league. So we kind of have, you know, when we say most of your action shooting and practical shooting sports covered. Um, yeah, again, our, our big goal is to grow the sport and get more people into it, make it friendlier for people to get, you know, to get involved, easier for people to get involved. And again, consistent. So you don't show up with, you know, your bowling ball with holes in it and they go, ah, sorry, you can't use that here. Um, you know, you have to have one without. Or, you know, I come yeah. up and, well, this course, the holes are this big on the golf course. Like, oh, okay. So, um, you know, really, again, trying to, to unite everything and do that. And so uh, we've been growing. It's been a few years. Um, we keep, you know, doing better, growing. We're now putting matches on all over the country where we used to kind of be just, you know, kind of based out of the Vegas area. Mm-hmm. Um, we're growing, spreading matches out all over the country. Um, membership's growing. Um, and that's the other thing, right? We wanted to do something to give more to the members, right? So there's a lot of organizations that kind of forced you to join, right? You know, kind of felt more like a, a cult type thing, right? You have to be a member to shoot. And I was like, well, why? What else do I get? Well, nothing. Okay. Um, so we never wanted to require membership. We wanted membership to be something that you felt like you wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, same thing with sponsors, right? There's a lot of companies that, you know, go out, get, go out of their way to help um, matches, help shooters. Um, and we wanted to give more back to them. And so we created something that we thought was really cool. It's called the MIT program. And that's, you know, members and industry partner program. And that's basically where we partner with a bunch of companies to give our members special discounts um, just for being members. So, again, mm-hmm. right, we're kind of giving some of the sponsors a little bit more love. We're advertising for them, um, you know, and we're giving the members something more, a reason to do it. You know, our title sponsor for that is Bushnell. Um, so if you're a member of the United Shooting Sports Leagues, you get 50% off of one Bushnell optic, which, again, depending on what route you go and what optic you go, that can, can save you up to $800. Wow. Um, you know, another one that we have is um, custom ear protection, right? That's a huge thing in shooting sports, right? If, right, it, it can mess your hearing up pretty good. I've, oh, yeah. It's something I've struggled with always because I got really jacked up ears from grappling for so long, right? <laughs> All the normal ones don't fit in my ears, Yeah. right? <laughs> So I kind of always had to use like the really cheap ones 
little foam, just shove them in there and mm-hmm. hope they don't move around and let sound get in. Um, <laughs> something I always struggled with. Um, you know, and to get the custom made ones are like, you know, usually a thousand dollars. Um, but I think our custom made ones, we, you get 30% off of them. Right. You know, and they're all electronics. They got batteries. You can turn it up. I can hear somebody talking down the street. Um, if I wanted to with those things, um, but as soon as something gets above a certain thing, it cuts it off. So again, I'm not in and out all the time. They're in, they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, but nothing ever gets above a certain point. Um, but I can still have a conversation. So they're extremely worth it, but they're expensive, but you Mm -hmm. get 30% off. So that's $300. So again, really trying to give back to the members while also helping, you know, drive some, some sales and some stuff towards, you know, some of our sponsors and people we partner with. So that's awesome. That's really cool. So anybody who's interested needs to, uh, needs to go check that out. So how can they, yeah. How can they look all that up and, and become a member? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously we're all over Facebook, United shooting sports leagues, um, United multi-gun league on Facebook, you know, I, um, Instagram, all of that. Uh, there, we also have a website. Uh, it's actually www.ussleagues.com. So you can go on there. Um, you can search, kind of see some of the upcoming matches. You can join if you want, um, see some of the perks of it, see a little bit about the rules, kind of what we do. Um, you know, and we're really looking to, again, kind of expand that website coming into next year to really try to have a more of a complete list of the clubs around the country to, again, really help get people involved. Um, the other thing you can do, if this is something you think, man, this would be cool, right? I never knew this was a thing and I want to get involved. Reach out to me. I'll be happy to put you in contact. Again, like I said, I travel around most of the country. I mean, we are kind of a small sport, so I mm-hmm. tend to know most people that put on the big matches. So even if I'm not in your area, I can usually connect you with somebody who I know out there shoots or runs matches who can help get you involved, get started. Um, I will say it's a surprisingly phenomenal community. Um, people are so willing to help out, loan you gear. Don't ever feel like, oh, I don't have the gear. I can't get started. Somebody there will, will loan you gear. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember when I first started, I didn't have a shotgun. He's like, here, there, shoot mine. And, it's, you know, $1,500 shotgun. That guy didn't know. No, here, use it. You know, one guy <laughs> it for six months. Six wow. months every time. Yep. Every time you come to match, you can use my shotgun until you can buy one, you know? So great, great people. Um, always be there to help you. Um, if you have any questions, you can, you know, reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah, what's, you know, what's your Instagram? You know, my Instagram is... Chubbles 54 or Chubbles 29. I can't remember which would me to have that somebody else didn't have. Um, so that's C-H-U-B-B-L-E-S 29 or 54. I think it's 54. I'll, that would be my preferred. I'll find it. I'll, uh, I'll put it on the – I'll put it in yep. the description. Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, we went into a, a little bit of a description of <laughs> – how you got that name last time? Came from? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we can. <laughs> we can go quick. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was I was a fat kid growing up, man. I was fat kid. I had to cut weight for Pee Wee football. Shoot. You know, I was one of the few things that got me to lose weight as a kid. Um, <laughs> I love playing football. This is back before there was unlimited weight restrictions in Pee Wee football, and somebody had to lose like 15 pounds to play Pee Wee football. <laughs> Well, I did. Um, you know, as soon as that was over, I gained it back. I was, yeah. Genetically, mm, determined to be a little bit on the chubby side. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of my nickname growing up. Um, you know, Chubbs. Chubbs. Chubbs, Chubbsy. That was kind of a nickname. Um, 
you know, I was always active, always played sports. And then kind of when I got into high school and football, really got into lifting weights. Um, and then obviously as I got into college and started, you know, just learning more, training more, I kind of got in a pretty good shape. And then it kind of just became ironic and funny. Um, mm-hmm. And it hung around for a long time. Um, and so, you know, some of my best friends growing up still call me that. And that's, you know, <laughs> um, my wife actually, for like the first year, she knew who I was, knew me as Chubsy. Um, nice. So yeah, kind of where that happens. It's still on my shooting jersey. It says Chubbs down the side. My whole shooting team calls me Chubbs. So nice. yeah, it's kind of funny at this point. Ironic. And, yeah, it's stuck and it's there. So why not? That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Awesome. Well, uh, let's uh, let's close it out. Any uh, any last words? Any pieces of advice for everybody listening? Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I got I got two, I think. Right? I, I did the two last time and they were, you know, funny little sayings that a, a couple of my coaches, um, you know, have said to me um, that were kind of very concise, but really stuck. And I think apply to a lot of things. Um, you know, the first was, again, my coach, Pete Rensing, who, again, I'm sitting in his house at his desk right now. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, coming up, right, like we always want to chase gear, right? Oh, well, if I buy this gun, I'm going to get better. If I buy this whatever, I'm going to get better. And it's not to say mm-hmm. gear doesn't play any part of it, but, you know, it's like the guy who's learning how to drive a race car. If I buy this race car, no, you need to learn how to drive better, right? Mm-hmm. And so his favorite saying was stop, just stop. And that was kind of his way of anytime I started, you know, kind of getting ahead of myself, thinking this is going to do this and this is going to do this. Just stop, just stop. Kind of you know what to do. You need to train. Whatever you're mm-hmm. going to spend on that, go buy ammo. Go buy ammo and get better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, train, practice. That's what's going to make you better. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't start chasing quick fixes. Don't start chasing this one, whatever it is, this product, this piece of gear, this whatever, right? It's going to magically make me way better. No, what's going to make you better is training and doing what you know you should be doing. Mm-hmm. So that to me was always a great piece of advice, kind of really helped me out. Um, and I think it applies to so many things, right? It, it's, hey, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't look for that quick fix, this secret thing, this, you know, whatever. You usually kind of know what you should be doing. Just do it. Kind of, you know, is again, that kind of stay in that moment, right? Um, and then the other great piece was actually my coach's coach, um, probably one of the, the greatest in the shooting sports ever, um, and that was Michael Voigt. And, and he had a funny little thing he would say to everybody, right, when they would come off a of stage, because you always come off a of stage and you know, oh man, I was I was gonna do this, but but instead I decided that, or or man, I was I was thinking about this, and and I should have just done this, and you know got that hit, or I should have went prone instead of taking a knee, and he would just go, yeah, but you didn't, <laughs> and that was kind of his, you know it was kind of his funny way of just kind of saying like, dude, it's not worth talking about everything you could have done in that stage, like that stage is over, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know he'd do it for a lot of reasons, you know, one because there's a lot of people who kind of lived in that, you know. you're thinking you're better than you are no you didn't you made Mm -hmm. your decision you didn't do it and we're here right Mm -hmm. and it was also a lot of people kind of carry that over right something happened in one stage you get to the next stage and they're still thinking about that and it's like if you're still thinking about that you're not going to perform on this stage Mm -hmm. right and so it's kind of his fun little way of you know a be accountable you made your decision that was your decision whatever happened happened it's done Mm -hmm. now move on Mm -hmm. right fix it right do it better next time learn from it but it's done, you know, and kind of, yeah, but you didn't, right? But you didn't. But you didn't, you know, stop, <laughs> you know, again, 
you know, living in the past and worrying about what could have happened, what would have happened, what should have happened. No, it didn't. You know, yeah, but you didn't. Yeah. You know, focus on focus on what you can do better next stage. And so, you know, I, again, those two really, those two little fun little sayings, I, I kind of keep with me because one kind of prevents me from getting too far ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one kind of prevents me from harping on the past and worrying about things that happened or what I should have done, could have done. Nope, you didn't. Mm-hmm. You're here now. Right? Yeah. Whatever it is. So make better decisions, train more, whatever. So that something that I think applies to a lot of things, right? And really kind of that staying present, focus on what you can control, leave mm-hmm. what you can't, you know, in the past and don't go trying to shortcut to the future. So that's extremely practical information. That's yeah. very good advice because that's, it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to, mm-hmm. to look for quick fixes and it's really easy to, to dwell too much on the past over mm-hmm. things that you can't change. So, yeah. um, yeah, like, that helps keep you centered. So Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time to, to redo this. This was good to redo it again. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll get you back on again in the future to catch us up on all the new things with the USSL and and all that. So, um, but yeah, thanks. Uh, for watching and listening everybody please go follow jeremy right now and stay tuned for the next episode we will catch you all later all right